Beverly Rowe just won the TV title. Beverly, come on over. Beverly, come on over. I want to interview you. Come on over. Beverly Hills, Beverly Rhodes, Beverly Hilly Rhodes, you just won the TV title from Arn Anderson. What are your thoughts? Oh, you know, Dirty Dog Cottle, they say they take away my legs. They took away my bra. They took, they tried to take away the gold. But Tully Wolfrick on Sexy Pat, JJ Flying Brad, you can't take my heart. I'm working my way back. It is no longer on Sexy Pat. I'm coming for you. Rick Dirty Dog. I'm going to start having to be bad, man. I'm my podcast and I'm going to be bad. And you know what? Baby doll Mama D, you know where you can kiss me? Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest on World Championship Wrestling. It is set for one fall. Hey, Dirty Dog, I hear you calling I think it's time for the show The sleep hold has got me confused But maybe here we go Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine Event Status Radio They're recording again, aha Bagels and biceps all over my screen What are we supposed to do? offices of YouTube and recorded <laughs> live from the letters A through E. This is Medivent Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy and joining me is my podcast partner, Mr. Beverly Hills representing the letters 90210. What's happening, the letters, Mr. Hills? The letters 90210. <laughs> yes, the letters. Those are numbers, friend. Whatever. Uh, the I... I was laughing then because uh, it was you were nearly very nearly like Sesame Street, like brought <laughs> brought to you by the number by the letters A through E. Oh my gosh, this is tremendous! A great, great, great start uh, to our new series. So, would you like me to talk about it? You mentioned the new series. We are in a new new series. The uh, YouTube it the uh, A through E th- from YouTube. Uh, also, you know, it's from the mastermind of my broadcast colleague, Mr. Beverly Hills. For the listeners at home or wherever else you might be listening to us chat it up, what is the reasoning behind all this madness? So, I, I'm just, I'm always just kind of interested, like, um, when when you think of of something. What is the first thing that comes to your mind? You know, like word association games have always been fun to me. Um, you know, just thing, things of that nature where you you start with with a topic and then the very first thing that comes to mind. I love looking at, you know, even on Wikipedia pages for actors and it says most known for this. And then I go, oh, most known for this so and and also so that's one thing that kind of led me to this then the second thing was like um you know we hit try we try to hit a ton of different things in our podcast uh 
series episodes, whatnot. But in general, we're not going to hit everything. Um, we're limited by a selection on the WWE Network, the biggest one. Um, we're limited by the era we do, you know, all that kind of stuff. We have limitations just like everyone else does. So I thought, how can we hit a broad number of people, time periods, places, all that. And also kind of throw in that cool uh, kind of crowdsourcing element that I was talking about before. And so I came up with this series. And what are we calling this series? A through E. Or A, oh, no, A no, 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 no. E. Like the big series. The big, like the overall. What are we calling it? A through Z through. Or A oh, through yeah. Z YouTube, YouTube. YouTube A to Z. Yeah. That's right. YouTube yes. A to Z. So I came up with YouTube A to Z. And my idea was this. Very randomly, with help from Obsessed with Wrestling or Online World of Wrestling, whatever it's called these days, um, I picked a try to his best, uh, a random assortment of 26 wrestlers, uh, and then I put their name into YouTube, and the first match that came up when I did it, that's what we're watching. And then I put promo, and the first promo that came up, we're watching. And so, I was just yeah. you, you sent me the list with all the guys and the links and all that, and yeah. going through, you know, A through Z, I'm like, you know, look at the letter I, like, what, what can we get out of this guy? Or the letter Z, like, what can we get out of this guy? Or whatever else. And There were a few that were tough, real yeah. tough to think of a person. And when, I, when, yeah, <laughs> when we get to Y, you'll, you'll yeah. see that just, one. just look at some of, the, some of the different letters. Like, I just thought about it. Like, why this guy? That I was thinking, well, like you just mentioned, it's hard to think about different guys with this letter or that letter or whichever yes. way. So. And that was an, and that was another thing, like, when I was thinking of how can we get, like, a really broad assortment or – if I can think of the first 26 wrestlers that come to my mind, well, it's probably going to be the ones that we see a lot, you know? So I think, I don't know, I always, another thing I like playing with in my head when I'm like doing thinking exercises or whatever is giving kind of like limitations. So, yeah, who's the first person you think of with the last name that starts with I or, you know, whatever, like all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I know I am definitely excited to get into this. I was excited to watch. You know all the stuff for this for this week. I'm a week ahead. You know I'm excited oh, okay. to talk about next week. You know right since yeah, next week got next, me ex- kind of a event week, I'd say. Ne- you know since with next <laughs> week, you know got me excited. I'm excited to go for the further weeks and all that. So I'm right I'm on. excited to see what this series brings us. Right on. Okay. Well, you want me to introduce A here? So the first letter that lines up with the first letter of the alphabet has to be A. As an Arn Anderson. Yes, A as an Anderson, comma Arn. <laughs> what What do we think about? What do we think about when we think of the wrestler Arn Anderson? Oh, wow! This is even more fun. I love this word association crap. Uh, the first thing I the first if you say Arn Anderson, I say Enforcer. What's the first thing you if I tell you Arn Anderson? What's the first thing you think of? Four Horsemen. Right on. Right on. Well, that leads right into our first promo. So, uh, well, I can, go ahead. Well, okay, because what I did was what I feel like some of the main points of the promo was and what I got out of the promo. Right on. So, 
uh, Arn Anderson, you know, talked about that he is proud to represent the company by being their tag team champions. Yes. Yep. This is when he and Tully were the were the tag team champions. And he put over how he's a wrestler, and wrestling is what he does inside the ring. Yes, right. And he says, no music, no glitter, no face paint, plain boots, plain wrestling. And Anderson also put over that the that the, the, the horsemen are wrestlers, and that is also what they do. Yes, we are professional athletes. Oh, I loved this promo with all my heart because I feel like he is. They might as well have said, Arn Anderson. It's nineteen eighty. I'm guessing eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah, right around there. Yeah. Cut a promo on the WWF. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and, that's why I felt like too that you know he said that you yes. know they're wrestlers. That's what they do, and that's what you get in NWA and all that. Yep, stars are in the sky and Hollywood, and I feel like that's like a, a direct, uh, like come back to the idea of WWF superstars. Right, yeah. stars are in the sky. We're professional athletes. Oh, and w- one of loved well, it with. One of the last lines Anderson mentioned in his promo was, he said, no matter what's going on in their personal lives, Horseman gives the fans 110%, and the money fans pay for their tickets, the Horseman give them every single nickel. Yes. Yeah, I I just, everything about this promo was fantastic. And it was two minutes long. Yeah, which Uh, which is great, yeah. You know, I think when... We look at pretty much everything from the Russo era to now. Uh, companies seem to think you need 20 minutes to get your, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get get your main event feuds yeah. over. Um, Arn Anderson just showed that you can do it in two minutes. Dusty Rhodes in a little bit shows you can do it in 30 seconds. Yeah. And, uh, so. Yeah. And I guess the couple things I got out of this promo were that in Arn Anderson's opinion, it's very important to be a champion. Right, yep. Then uh, he and he also gives, well, like I said already, that he gives the fans everything in the ring because the fans spend their hard-earned money to see those guys wrestling this inside the ring. Right on, yep. So I guess I, you know, like we mentioned, this is one promo that I really enjoy because Anderson says, you know, hey, I'm a wrestler. That's what I do inside the ring, and I give everything that I have and more to entertain, or I guess entertain you guys, to wrestle for you guys and to give you guys every single penny you put into the ticket to come see me tonight. Mm-hmm. So, which I felt like we got that, in our, our, I guess our the money that we spent in our time watching this match, which was for the NWA World Television Championship, Honor Anderson as a champion taking on Death D. Wodes. <laughs> yes. September 9th, 1986. Yeah, taped in Columbia, South Carolina. So then just because, Mr. Beverly Hills, I have to open up my mid-event status mellow yellow for this match. Okay, do it. This, from A through E, was definitely my favorite match, Mr. Beverly Hills. Um, I would agree with you. Then uh, the clip starts out. Oh, with, and I'll really agree with you because uh, we'll talk about it later. Yes, uh, <laughs> I I guess something I was surprised to see was when the clip started out. Tony was the ring announcer for the match. 
Yes, no, this wasn't um, especially uncommon. Um, if you've watched especially NWA Pro, but um, a lot of a lot of these uh, non-studio uh, or main event also um, shows from the 80s is that Tony would be the ring announcer and then he'd go oh, get on commentary. I that guess. yeah, this is definitely not uncommon. Okay, I guess I never watched pro or main event before, so that's why it's a surprise to me. Right, right on. And yeah, so he introduces us. Something that I got a good chuckle out of was seeing Art Anderson in his trucker hat. <laughs> yes, that hat was fantastic. It's maroon. Uh it's like well, it's de- it's certainly one that my dad probably owns ten thousand of as a farmer uh, that are given by various businesses, and I tried my oh, hardest, hardest to try to see what logo is on it. It's this maroon hat. It's got a gold logo on it, and I looked so close, but I could not see it. Yeah, I couldn't make out either. I was kind of hoping it'd be like a, a U of M hat, but <laughs> I would doubt that. I guess. What did you think about? Um, Arn's mannerisms while he was getting introduced. You notice what he was doing? No, I wasn't. He was he was gripping the. T- he wasn't wearing the title. He didn't have it around his shoulder. He was holding it to his chest, to his heart, as if it was his most prized possession. And I thought that is such a little thing. That's such a piece that puts it over the top that he he was gripping it really with all his might right to his chest and I really like that. I, I think that's to, a little thing that I really loved. I guess to tie it in with the promo that we watched that it it should relate to the fans if they pick it up on it watching, you know, this match, how much that T V title means to Arn Anderson, how much being the champion means to him. Uh huh, exactly. And losing it is in ways is like losing the world. Yeah, yep, and it's like, you know, having that possession ripped from him, right? And it's that, it's that important, so. And something I guess I really enjoyed about this clip, since we didn't get any backstory or really anything up to it, was how behind the fans were behind Dusty, since they were trying to, oh, Dusty, huge. Dusty, and I, I really liked that. You kind of, well, obviously, you know, it's been an apropos on the, on the, on the podcast, I, Hearing the crowd helps gets me into the match. So it yeah, brought, sadly, it's probably the biggest thing that <laughs> gets you into a match. Yeah, well, I guess you know for me, it's a lot of times when I watch this stuff, it's like kind of Saturday night. I got maybe four hours of sleep before that, so it's kind of hard for me to pay attention. So hearing the crowd gets me like, okay, if they're into it, it must must be must have meant something great to them back back then when it was happening live. I guess, yeah. I, I, they were so hot. I, I don't know if I when the last time I've heard a, a wrestling crowd as into a match as the Columbia, South Carolina fans were into this one. It was, uh, and there, there is, they did provide some backstory. This match, this goes all the way back to the famous, famous cage match where the Horsemen kind of formed, and um, they all beat down Dusty in the cage and uh, broke his leg. So he is on the trail to back. Uh, revenge. Yep. Yeah, I, I did know He's starting that, uh, here, and then Flair is his ultimate goal. Well, I did note that the announcers did put over that 
Iron held the TV title for a long while, and Dusty is a former world champion holding the title three different times before. Yeah. So, I thought the funny... I thought the funniest thing in this whole match uh, is that Dusty Rhodes is billed as 278 pounds. Uh, and he's billed as maybe 10 pounds more than Art Anderson. Uh, I think you can add a zero to that. I think he's probably 100 pounds more than Art Anderson. This is ridiculous. 270 versus 260. Come on, Dusty. Yeah, well, in ways I can see, you know, Arn being 260 pounds of. I believe that one. Yeah, I guess him being all muscle, but you know, with me being a bigger guy in the belly too, and people are surprised to hear how much I weigh when I say how much I weigh. So I weigh is not surprised that we see Dusty Rhodes and we imagine him being a lot heavier than what he's billed as. Oh, shut it! Dusty's like three forty. <laughs> Stop it! Don't try to get. Don't try to help him out. <laughs> what? Whatever, Daddy. Whatever. Jeez. This what? is like that, that, oh, muscle weighs more than fat. All this kind of stupid stuff the fat guys say to try to say that they're, they're not as fat as they actually are. Whatever, Daddy. Quit giving me crap for being so fat. Not you, Dusty. <laughs> One thing I, also I don't care appreci- what you are. You would, that's like if you build yourself as 175 pounds. I'm 150. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> One thing I appreciated was... How it seemed like the, the Dusty and Iron started the match up pretty slow and trying to you know get each other in like a side headlock to try to get one up on on each other, get each other I guess psyched out right away. Yes. Uh, yep. They started out pretty slow. They started with a battle with a kind of test of strength. Um, Dusty reversed a, a sunset flip and and uh, and he hit a, a kind of an quasi bionic elbow, a overhead elbow that kind of chased Arn, and that looked good, too. I guess we kind of tied in with the, the promo that we watched with Arn Anderson. I took note that the announcers put over the put over Dusty's and Arn's conditioning, how you need to be in great condition, conditioning to perform inside the ring. I guess what's your thoughts on the announcers putting over the wrestlers' sh- in-ring shape and all that? Oh, I think it's great. It's it's always good. I think when they put, uh, when they kind of big up the fact that they're they're pro athletes. Um, and you're you're speaking of announcer. We should really mention who's on commentary here. It's a uh, longtime uh, Jim Crockett promotion announcer, later Smoky Mountain non- announcer Bob Cottle, and uh. Big mid-Atlantic legend uh, Johnny Weaver is his color man. So that's who's that's who's working here, and that's who you're gonna. I don't know. I, you always you like to talk about, so I don't know. You're either gonna like give him credit or or dog like, him. So. I guess but those are our guys. I recognize Bob Cunnell. I didn't recognize the other that Mr. Weaver. So yep, John, Johnny Weaver was a yeah a big wrestling star, and then kind of parlayed it into. Uh, an announcing career here. I guess so. Something I noticed throughout the match, I guess maybe in the story of the match, was both Arn and Dusty were working on each other's legs throughout the match. Yeah, uh huh. And when they were working on each other's legs, when Dusty was all he all he was doing is Arn was on his back, Dusty was standing above him, and he was taking his foot <laughs> and just like turning his foot. Yet the crowd was reacting as if. He was stabbing him. And I just, 
this is where I, I really, you know, Dusty can play to a crowd so well. You know, he's doing nothing. He's holding his foot in his hands and turning it. <laughs> Yet the crowd is like, ah! you know, and you give credit to Arn for selling it too. Yeah. He's like shaking his head and he's, you know, going crazy while it, like his leg is being pulled from from its socket. His, but, his leg yeah, is being pulled from his leg. I thought it was tremendous. Leg. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much. So I guess I, re- I really liked it because, like, I guess, like you said, the stent. I wrote down that as a standing ankle lock, but it was pretty much like the standing cradle his <laughs> cradle his foot in yeah. your hands move. The the standing hold your opponent's foot, <laughs> which I liked. And I know it's like Dusty was was working on Arn's ankle, and Arn was working on Dusty's knee. Sure, you know because like you said, you know the announcer put over the the horseman broke his knee before and trying to tie in past broke his lines. knee. They broke his leg. Whatever. Broke his knee from his leg, but his leg from his knee. Yeah, pretty much. They're all connected. <laughs> um, there, you know, I always like to look at the fans, like the funny stuff that's going on. Uh, there was an old guy that was carrying around his chair and just kind of like putting it where he wanted. And I'm like, man, this would be the, this is the best gig ever. That if you could if you could buy a ticket, then you just put your chair wherever you want. Because he was he first the corner area and then as the match started getting going he picked it up and he was moving it he put it right in the front row <laughs> I wish you I could do that that would be tremendous to just buy a ticket and then put your chair wherever you want general mission I guess <laughs> but when you're talking about Arn working on Dusty's like he was doing something that was, that was really cool was um, he was taking his forearm and grinding it on Dusty's leg. Yeah. He moved down his knee pad. And he was taking. And he was going like with his uh, forearm, and uh, ah, just these little things, right? Like he wasn't just like twisting or whatever. He's doing the, the extra step to really make it look like he's putting. You know, being a heel. You know, you're not yeah. supposed to be using your your bones and stuff. To work on on things, and it just looks so tremendous. I guess something that I felt like was tremendous was when. Arn was working on the spinning toe hold on the Dusty. Dusty was fighting mm-hmm. back with punching Arn's thighs and all that. And like, <laughs> yeah. Trying to Charlie horse him. Like, I guess yep. I never, nowadays, you know, you don't see counters like that to submission yes. holds. I just felt like that was a cool counter to the spinning toe hold. Yeah, those those type of things, you know, it's it's the, this match is truly, truly a showcase of the little things. You know, just the like the the grinding the forearm on the leg, the the punch getting out of a move by the punching the thigh. You know, uh, in a different time period, he would have got out of that move just by kind of like flipping over. You know, it just would have been like he's out of it. You know, th- like the struggle to get out of a move is something that uh, is you know really showcased here uh, a ton. So so after. You know, he finally gets out, or actually, as he's, you know, trying to, you know, Dusty kind of dusties up. <laughs> he almost gets a figure four, but uh, Arn is able to kick him off. Um, well, to me, it seemed like when Dusty was trying to put, slap on the figure four, it seemed like yeah. he was, what, that knee gave out. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was doing a great job of continuing uh, to sell that. Definitely, definitely. So then they go outside, and there was some really good kind of fighting outside because, like, the, the, um, Sorry, the barricade was like literally 
wrought iron <laughs> like pole. So uh, to see him get uh, both of them to get hit into that uh, looks <laughs> like Painful. it would hurt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so as, as they came in, Arn uh, went up top. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> Even 1986, Arn, I don't think this is his best, best decision. Uh, and Dusty's able to close on him, and Johnny Weaver's going crazy right now. He's like, Dusty, he's going to be the new champ, and all this kind of stuff. Um, I think right, then, around, right yeah. around here is when I finally noticed who our referee is for this match. Do you take note who the referee was? Uh, yeah, it's Earl Hebner. Yeah, uh, I Slash know. Dave Hebner, yeah. I know he was in the NWA Jim Crockett mm-hmm. promotions before the the evil twin Hebner stunt with getting the title off of Hogan in February of 90, mm-hmm. or February of 88, but I never remember seeing, watch any matches where I saw Earl as the referee, so when I finally realized about right around the end of the match that it was Earl as a referee, I got excited. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, you're a big ref guy. Uh, and then we kind of get to the end. So if you want to take the end here, you can definitely do that. Let's see. Well, I did take note that there was a ref bump somewhere. Do you take note yep. of that? Okay, uh-huh. yeah, there, yep. there, there was a ref. Uh, actually, that's when I realized it was Earl Hebner's because mm-hmm. of the ref bump. When he gets, yeah, taken down. Sure. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, you want, you want to take, oh, take over the. Take over the finish? I sure can. Yeah. I sure can. So as Earl gets knocked down, uh, Arn goes out and gets a chair. Um, and he brings it in. He's going to hit it with Dusty. Hit, no, he doesn't. <laughs> he's going to hit the chair with Dusty. <laughs> no, he, he's when the chair would probably be pretty worse for wear at that point. No, he's going to hit Dusty with the chair. And he uh, missed. Uh, and Dusty is able to grab him. He hits a DDT, which the announcers go, Bulldog! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know and, Bill Mercer was announcing. Yeah, right. And uh, so he hits the DDT, and uh, we get the three count. We get Dusty as the new champ. I felt like you know I liked the touch where Earl kind of slid halfway into the ring to make the make the count. So I appreciated that. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. And I oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm just gonna say Dusty Rose is a new TV champ. Give my rating, but I can hold on onto that. Yeah, let's hold on to it until we finish talking about it. So, um. I love that they kind of do like a teased Dusty finish here because we get the Man Express running out and uh, they're trying to tell the ref that there's a chair in the ring, yada, 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 but uh, Earl denies them, raises Dusty's hand. Dusty is indeed the new champ. Which which I appreciate. I rated this match three and one four stars. I, I went three and three quarters. Okay. Uh, I I really enjoyed this match a ton. I, I did too. I really enjoyed the count hitters giving us, I feel like, enough of a backstory from this club so we kind of know, you know, why why these two have a history together if for some reason we didn't didn't know why. And like I said, you know, earlier in the match, that I feel like the story, you know, Dusty and Arns told a great story on how how Dusty can overcome his his leg throughout the match. Right. Yeah, is I thought it was it was great from beginning to end. The the limb work was was really tremendous, both by Arn, uh well really by Arn but Dusty's playing to the crowd and, and his comebacks were, were also just, just great. So. so do you catch which announcer was trying to get Dusty's Dusty's uh Yeah. I? 
That's Johnny. That's Johnny Weaver. Yeah. Johnny was yeah, trying to ca- catch Dusty for the – Dusty could come over and cut a promo and all that, which I'll yeah. kick it to you to, to talk about that. Yeah, sure. So Dusty's talking about uh, that they took his legs, and then he says, you took away my bra? <laughs> uh, and, you know, I was like th- – I was thinking, thinking – I I think he might mean my – Broad, like, because then he talks about baby doll later. So, like, okay, but I definitely heard you. You took away my legs. You took away my bra. And I was like, okay. Well, I mean, Dusty, maybe you need one. Whatever. Yeah. So, and he calls out all the horsemen: Tully, JJ, Arn. You can't take away my heart. Uh, And he's working his way back. Yeah, which I appreciate. Then he always seen that. You know, they, people have been accusing him of being bad. They can quit yep. accusing me of being bad. Cause I'll stop being bad. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said, you don't have to accuse me anymore. I'm going to be bad. <laughs> I like that. And uh, he finished by telling Baby Doll that she knows where she can kiss him. <laughs> Something that I guess is kind of bad might be the next letter of, of our alphabet, Mr. Beverly Hills. The letter B. Yeah, this one's a little... This is a little rough. I was hoping when I chose this one, because again, I kind of did it randomly, but I was hoping "Eh, maybe we'll get some gems. Maybe we'll get some hidden gems. So for B is Bulldog, comma, British. What do you think of when you hear the name, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith? Uh, SummerSlam 92. Okay, I think... I think of the 97 version of the Heart Foundation. Oh, right on. Okay, cool. Oh, I'm glad they're, they're different. I, I, yeah, I like this. So uh, when I put British Bulldog promo, the first thing that came up, it's kind of a, uh, kind of a dubious title. It is called One of the Worst Wrestling Promos of All Time. <laughs> okay. I got, you know... I t- took some bullet points for this promo. Sure. You know, what the, we got? it was the former t- team champions, the British Bulldogs, and they're feuding with the Islanders because yes, and I- Bobby. Yeah, and Bobby. And the Islanders and Bobby stole Matilda, their Bulldog. Mm-hmm. And Davy Boy put over that, you know, Matilda must be sick due to what the <laughs> Islanders might be doing to their dog. May have done. May have now done. it's back. Now yeah, it's back. Yeah. And the Dynamite Kid put over that the dog is family to them, and the British Bulldogs will get revenge for what the Islanders did to Matilda. Yes. I The, the one thing that I, the one line that I got, Dynamite Kid does say that Matilda's like a child. Uh, this this was a bad, this was a bad promo. Uh, they're, because they're, they're trying, you know, whenever you try to make a wrestler, like, act, uh, it doesn't always have the best outcome. So I feel like whoever was telling them what to do is like, be sad. So <laughs> British Bulldog, so David Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid, like trying to be sad is really bad. Yeah, if, I, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Time to play the prize. If I remember correctly, I thought I heard a story before that they weren't too thrilled about give, being given Matilda to – yeah, in the first place. Yeah, in the right. first place. So I can kind of understand that. And I guess what I got out of this promo was the, those two guys don't need to talk. <laughs> yeah, or maybe they should stick to kind of like fired up babyface promos yeah. instead of the kind of 
uh, whatever they're trying to do here. Yeah, no, <laughs> they were talking about how Matilla has some mental stress. Yes. Watching this promo caused me some mental stress. <laughs> it's caused me to, what did they say Matilda is not doing? She's, she, she's not eating. Uh, she doesn't go out. She just sits in a corner. That's that's maybe what you're gonna end up doing after a while. Yes, well, because Matilda's <laughs> a dog. I'm a dirty dog. It runs yes. in the dog veins. So, right, right on. So the match we get is the Undertaker taking on the British Bulldog from February 23rd, 1992. Yes, this uh, from Madison Square Garden. This is would be a house show. And I did take note who the announcers are for this one. It's Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah. This is yeah. This is a well-worn duo. Uh, you know, one of the most famous here. And something I loved about Bobby right away was a line that he said in regards to the British Bulldog: "From the neck up, nothing's working." <laughs> <laughs> I loved, yeah, so, loved it. Right. So the kind of what's going. So you know, February is kind of a I'm gearing up for WrestleMania. Um, it's kind of unfortunate because, uh, Undertaker kind of has this, uh, face turn that's kind of happening, um, because Jake the Snake has turned on him, but the, the match never happens because, uh, Jake leaves the promotion, if I'm correct. Am I right on that I know the announcers were kind of talking about it. They were, I know that Jake and Taker did have a WrestleMania match. Oh, did they? Is this yeah. a, did did it happen? WrestleMania Russell, eight. I Russell feel eight. I'm an idiot. Then so sorry. It did. It wasn't. <laughs> it's been years since I last watched it. I think is last time okay. I watched it was probably four or five years ago when you came up one on a oh, weekend sure. in March for my birthday. Okay, so it, it looks like it's a six minute match. Yeah, so uh, what uh, I can remember, it wasn't nothing really that great. But I feel like a lot of Undertaker matches in the early nineties weren't really that great either. Yeah, and we're watching one right here. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, like you said, yeah, Taker and Taker and Jake were having a feud, and because it looked like Jake was, yeah, J- Jake and Savage were having a feud, and Taker mm-hmm. push came in and to help save Savage. So. Well, yeah, well, he was part of the, he was on the Jake side, yeah. and then uh, yes, and then kind of uh, turned on on Savage there, yeah, and. Uh, See, I th- initially I thought, okay, this is kind of in the lead up to Bulldog, you know, pushing towards SummerSlam '92. But I was greatly mistaken here. Uh, that must come later in the spring. And now looking at WrestleMania card, Bulldog wasn't even on it. So now that I, if I would have known that, I I feel like I wouldn't have been surpri- so surprised as the um, uh, the match as I was. So. <laughs> Well, I guess kind of talking about how they were building up more The Undertaker than over Bulldog, there was a spot where Bulldog tried to suplex Undertaker twice with no luck, then tried to body slam him, then Taker fell on mm-hmm. top of him. And I guess what's right. your thoughts on on maneuvers like that, like where Undertaker was too heavy for the Bulldog for Bulldog to do his signature maneuvers? Well, this is still the time where Undertaker, I don't even know, had been, well, made by Hogan, but otherwise hadn't really been knocked off his feet very much and was still kind of that monster. Okay. I, and, guess, I, I uh, guess I didn't think about that. But right, right on. No. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we look at it 
knowing what we know now. Yeah. You know, and whereas in ninety two, yeah, he's still he's still the guy here. And um Undertaker did kick his feet when he was in the air. It wasn't just something he's too fat. <laughs> so <laughs> not, not like Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, right on. Yeah, well, Dusty only weighs 270. I'm pretty sure Undertaker was built higher than that. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> 300 or something, right around 300. Yeah, right on. Oh, one of the, so, yeah, one of the only other, like, spots that I took was that Bulldog did get him up in the uh, running power slam position, and he did uh, run him across the ring, ramming him into the, ram him into the corner, but Undertaker just flipped up onto his feet still. <laughs> and... Uh, and finally, Bulldog did hit a really, really, really good-looking blade vertical suplex, and I thought, "Wow, that was tremendous!" But take no fact, take your take your setup from it, and I laughed. And as so, I thought, you know, I've never seen this match for us. So I thought, okay, we're working toward a double EQ. Like I, I feel like we're getting to that point. But then you can do if yeah, you have I, the. I got the finish. Undertaker hit the British Bulldog with a slingshot to the top rope or something like that, just dropped on the top rope. Then did yes. the then did the the arms on the chest pinfall victory for yeah. the, and all that. Just yeah, like only, out of nowhere. Like just go home, go pin him right now, do it. And he did it. Yes, he yes, he did a hot shot. He hot shot him under the top rope and then he got the three count. So the And I thought it, I thought this was so anticlimactic. Let's let's see how well this works up Mr. Beverly Hills. The winner is the Undertaker. Yeah, you got it. And I rated this match one star. I went star and three quarters because I did think that the the spots themselves didn't look awful, but the story was weird. I guess it is a, a house show match. Maybe I should have been thinking about that. But in addition, um, the finish is just so strange. Yeah, and I thought the finish was strange, like you said. I thought this was just a squash match just put over the Undertaker, and the the Bulldog was the casualty here. <laughs> right on. You, that is certainly correct. So I guess another another casualty, well, starts with a C, is our next letter. Oh, letter man. C as in, <laughs> Brian Christopher. <laughs> we are going to Memphis. So we're going to Memphis, and we're going to Memphis a couple times this well, well, when we're going to Memphis, Mr. Beverly Hills, let's talk about Brian Christopher. What is your thoughts of Brian Christopher? Okay. Oh, I just John's his career. Or, oh, are you thinking First thing you just think word of, association? Yeah. Brian Christopher, uh, Grandmaster Sexy. Brian Christopher for you. Too cool? Too cool. Yep. Yeah, that's the first thing. I think that shows are both where we're from and when we're from. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, we are from the Upper Midwest, so we saw. Uh, I I can safely say I'm pretty sure, just speaking for you, that uh, we didn't see any Memphis growing up. And uh, the first I saw of him was in the light light heavyweight tournament, and uh, in like '96 or '97, and then his yeah, yeah they joined up with Brian or with uh. Scotty Scott Too Hot is yep. too cool first that we're trying to be like a gay guy tag team gimmick or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which yep. I'm happy that didn't last long. Then, yeah, too cool. <laughs> yeah. So this promo that we had, uh, right away, Brian Christopher brought out a uh, wagon full of championships. 
Yes, and a scale. And yes. Dave Dave Brown and Corey Macklin are completely aghast at this that he's bringing out this wagon full of championships. Um, I, I, I love it. I took note the the how much each belt weighed. Okay, so for I'll, I'll prep it and then you you yeah. tell me. So so he's showing everybody. He's the triple champion. He's showing how much everything weighs. So he first puts on the uh, the Texas Heavyweight Championship. And how much did that one weigh? 27 pounds. Okay. And, then, and it's so funny that Dave Brown's like, well, that's not very heavy. <laughs> and, and, and Brad Christopher's like, well, I got three. So it's, they're just they're playing off each other perfectly, too. It's just so good. It's so good. Do you know, hey. Uh, I'm sure you don't not and not even as an insult, but I'm sure you don't know what Dave Brown's uh, day job is. Was he like a weatherman? Yes, boom, sorry, dude. I I give you your props. He just retired this year, as, well, as a matter of fact. Well, because I thought I remember like some of those local guys were you know like part of the news team somewhere, yeah. like the sports guy, the weather guy, something like that. So I'm like, why not just <laughs> yeah, see the Dave, weather guy? Just take a chance, right on. Yeah, Dave Brown is like. From I've never actually been, but from uh, people's recollections online, he's kind of like a an institution. So okay, second one he puts on Southern title, and Dave thinks that he's like pressing down on it, and (laughs) Brett is getting really pissed at him. So how much is Southern title? Thirty pounds. Okay, and then he his last his final one is the World Light Heavyweight Championship. How much is that last one? 20 pounds. Okay. So it all adds up to be 76 pounds, which Brian Christopher explains is the same weight as Danny Davis's crying towel. And when they said, <laughs> when they said 76 pounds, I thought to myself, okay, 27 plus 30 plus 20. How does that make 76? Well, yeah, that's 77. 77. <laughs> yeah. Well, this isn't a um, math Show it's a wrestling show. And I don't oh. think that many people were adding, <laughs> adding it up like we were, so whatever. I think, in fact, zero people were. So Danny Davis came out next in a fantastic-looking Ribera Steakhouse jacket. I, I want Ribera Steakhouse jacket so bad. Mr. Beverly Hills, maybe, just maybe, next summer, you and I can take some vacation and fly out to Japan. Go to Tokyo? Tokyo? Yeah, why yeah. not? I think it's safe to say I'll never get a to- get a Ribera Steakhouse jacket, though I wish I could. Well, why not? It'd be a lot of fun. Because I'm not a wrestler and I'll never be in, t- in Tokyo, Japan. Do you have your passport? No. How sad. I've been outside of the country, but I let it expire. I do. Mine's expired. Is I, yours I think, still well, active? I think mine's still active, but not for only for like a couple more years. So. Sure. I should, uh, 2000, oh, 2018, so I need a, I got a few years to reactivate that, but. Like a, right I, don't, I don't know where else I'll go, other countries. So I don't know, but okay. So Danny, anyway. so Danny said that that Christopher was a spoiled brat, and he he makes Brian say tell how many shots it took him to beat Danny for the for the World Light Heavyweight Championship because it took him two. Yeah, it took him two. The first time, you know, he had to you know try to beat Danny Davis within five minutes. He couldn't. And the second time, Christopher had to put up his hair. Yes. Yes. And uh and Brian's just like 
I don't care. I don't care that it took two. I love that. Like that's, yeah, I guess it's a heel move, but to me, it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm the it's, it's perfect. It's perfect that he's like, I don't care. I have the belt. Don't I like who, who cares? It did 20 times. Yeah. He's the cha- He's a currently the champion. So that's all that matters. Yep. I, I love it. And then, I, so, yeah, to me, Danny comes across as kind of a crybaby because then he wants a title shot, a rematch, and Christopher says he wants Danny to put something up. That he wants the uh, the he wants Danny to put his hair on the line. Which, so, which to me, I feel like that was fair since Christopher had to put his hair up on the line to get the te- second title shot. So yeah. it's only fair. Yeah, I'm I'm not upset at that. I thought Brian. I, I thought this was just, in general, really great promo. I yeah. thought uh, it, it was really well done. I guess, yeah, the couple things I, I got out of the promo was, like you said, that, you know, as champion, Christopher should call the shots. You know, sure. And I feel like Christopher and Waze played, Waze, to me, came across as a chicken poop heel. Danny or Christopher? Christopher. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, which is also what we want, what we wanted. Yeah, I think that's his character. So, yeah, I'm very sure that's what he wants. So, <laughs> so the match we get is Brian Christopher take on the USWA champion for the title for the US for the not the US the unified heavyweight champion, Jerry Lawler. Yes, the ten thousand time. U- USWA champion and Jerry Lawler. <laughs> uh, I think one of the last ones I looked at would be probably at least 15 years ago because it's early 2000s. Last time I looked, it, Lawler was like a 26-time USWA champion. Like, okay, I didn't know that. Whatever, and I forgot about it. So, whatever. I didn't hear much of that. You zipped I, out, but oh, well, I guess. Well, I just said that. You know, I had a book back in the day, like early. No, I heard. Know, I heard the twenty six. What did you say after oh, that? That's, I don't care. Whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Most of those. Most of those reigns were like a week long. Week, ago. yeah. There. <laughs> that's the new. The way, at least, kind of in the nineties and in the later eighties. How that was booked is the new monster comes in and beats Lawler for the title. Um, he holds it for a few months. Lawler wins it back. Repeat. That's kind of how it how it went, and uh, it worked, and that's fine. But it's just a different way. So okay, yeah. The clip starts out with Lawler coming out out and to defend his title, and Christopher's already in the ring wearing a title. Do you catch what title Christopher was wearing? Um, I, he's wearing one of those light heavyweight okay. titles. I don't know which one. Okay, I can assume that. And oh yeah, this match happened in 1993. Yep, March of '93. Okay. Yep. Then, uh, I guess I kind of liked you know tied in with the promo. I really liked that Christopher was playing the chicken poop heel, even though he was the challenger for this match. That he was being chased around the ring from his daddy, Mister Lawler. Sure. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I guess yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess what's your thoughts on? On that, yeah, I mean, he's playing his character well. I think he he knows what he's doing. He's the he's the young guy. He's cocky. He's um, you know, kind of bridges. He can't really back up what he you know is can't pay the checks that his mouth uh, or can't cash the checks his mouth is writing. I yeah. think that's the statement. And uh, yeah, so I I liked it. And you know, Lawler is using a 
power. Um, Christopher's trying to trying to use his speed a little bit. So uh, I guess another thing is that I didn't realize studio wrestling happened all the way into '93. I guess what's your thoughts on studio wrestling? Because I oh. I guess well, I never really watched any Memphis before. And I like the touch of of I guess their their wrestling studio. Sure, studio. Yeah, studio wrestling is a big part of you know wrestling history, and yeah, the the Memphis. That's one of the biggest places where it took place for sure. The one thing I hated was the way Brian Christopher dances. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. I thought it was really funny when uh, he is complaining to the refs that Lawler's using a closed fist, and then when he can't get any love there, he bails out of the ring, goes over to the announcers, and, <laughs> and complains about it. And Dave's like, "Get back in the ring." <laughs> I guess that's one thing I like about studio wrestling. You know, is something like like you said, what Christopher did there. He complained to the ref. No love. What do the announcer try to get some love? <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, Christopher did eventually get the advantage. He went into his tights and got something out and uh, punched punched Lawler with it. Uh, but it doesn't last long. <laughs> Lawler moved off of a corner charge. He got the straps down, so you know he means business. And he hits him with the middle rope fist drop, but... Things go awry for him because what happens? Two masked men uh, came down and did a number to Jerry the King Lawler. Splash him like, no? These men are not masked. Well, they weren't? No. Hmm. For some reason, I had them as masked men, but I guess they're not. They are, well, as, as we will find out here momentarily, they're the Harlem Knights. I thought they were masked men, but I guess I was mistaken. I wasn't paying attention to their faces. I was just paying attention to their not. tights. Sorry, their tights of course were, you were. Their of tights course you were. amazing me and, like, whatever. And well, I guess tell me about their tights since you were looking at them. What, what's up? Were they, like, black and red and know that? They were they were black and red, yes, and they had knights on the on the middle. I yeah. guess I was just surprised to see what we'll know as the men on a men on a mission and tights. How how could you? They they're like the same things they wore when they were in WWE, just not like fluffy. I don't know. I guess I they weren't like. I feel like you were watched in this match, man. Did you want to recap what's going on? They, they were. They, the, I'm so used to them wearing like. Silvery, you know, like shiny silver, shiny gold tights and fluffy and not like skin tight stuff. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So the non-masked Harlem Knights came out. (laughs) And uh, yeah, the big one hit a corner avalanche. He had a middle rope splash. Oh, they're just taking it to Jerry so much. And uh, Christopher's loving it. He's laughing all along the way. Uh, (laughs) Or whatever. (laughs) Yep, the future Mabel cuts a promo that finishes with "Hail the Harlem Knights," uh, and then guess, Jeff Jarrett makes the same. Yeah, they're, they're the new Kings of Memphis, and Jeff Jarrett and some bright, nasty-looking tights came down. Yes, oh gosh, they were yeah, they were for sure bright. So the winner is Jerry the King Lawler via running disqualification, retaining his title. And I rated this match one-fourth of a star, Mr. Beverly Hills. I, I went two and a quarter. It was short, but I liked what we saw. I guess it was, wasn't really my thing. 
And if I remember correctly, Mr. Beverly Hills, so far, yes. our, our guys for the series are mm-hmm. 0 for 3. <laughs> Indeed. So something else that I guess kind of fits in with Indeed is the letter D, as in Brian Danielson. Yes, Danielson Brian. <laughs> or Brian Dan- or, or Daniel Brian in WWE. Yep. Yep. Um, what, you know, as we do before, what is the first thing you think of when you hear the name Brian Danielson slash Daniel Bryan? American Dragon. How yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, funny thing is, uh, last weekend was our one of our buddies' weddings, mm-hmm. and I was a part part of the wedding party. And fucking oh, it's too far away. As a wedding gift, I guess I got from the groomsman from the groom. I got Daniel Bryan's book. Yes. Oh, <laughs> funny. So I'm excited to read it sometime. Yeah, that is the that is the second wedding. Um. In the last two and a half months that I've been to, where the bride and groom coming out has received a yes chant from the bridal party. Uh, <laughs> so I guess that kind of tells you what kind of circles I run in. But yeah, what, that's funny. When talking about that, it always like it was just me and the, this other guy, Jared, were the only ones that were doing the yes chant. And everybody else, like, you know, sitting at their tables and all, all that were looking at us like, what are they doing? Yeah, the other one, the other one that I was at, pretty much everybody in the whole uh, reception hall did it. It was uh, funny. I, yeah. I'm sad that we failed, but whatever, that's okay. <laughs> Speaking of fails, let's talk about this promo. Yes, it was during episode the, one of NXT, which I I was watching. You know, most of this clip, I didn't watch this whole thing. How much <laughs> I hated, I guess hated. You know this gimmick, this time period of NXT, how much I hated The Miz, which I guess was a good thing for The Miz because that's part of his job. You know, you know, and it's one of those things, though, and I was thinking that to myself as well. When I was watching this, I was like, oh, I hate The Miz. But then I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't think I hate him in the way they want me to hate him. And yeah. I was, And I was thinking about that, like, when I – when I hate people, I go, is this because they're doing a good job or not? And I think in this iteration of The Miz, I hate him not in how they want me to. Okay. So. I guess, do you, uh, ways for me at times, like when The Miz rustles, uh, sometimes he has, like, turn, turn the TV off heat. Sure. Yeah, I have no interest on watching him in the ring. I guess, what kind of heat do you feel like, or I guess, what kind of character hatred do you have for the Miz? Oh, well, just in this promo, he has the I'm speaking as Vince McMahon's voice heat. And I hate that. So anyways, let's get into it. So Miz comes out of the screen. All the rookies, and this is kind of a cool flashback. You see Heath Slater. You see David. What's the the guy's name? David Otunga. Not him. The the one Titus and whatever. Oh, Ty- uh, the other guy, Young. What's his name? D- Darren Young. Darren Young. He was there. He was like jiving around. <laughs> he had this hair. He was dancing. Right back. You mean Skip Sheffield? Yes. Whatever. <laughs> and then so Miss finally goes to Brian. You're Daniel Bryan. You're the internet darling. Go here. 
you need to expect anything. Go to the ring and introduce yourself. Show personality. Show charisma. I can do that. This was the worst acting I've ever seen. And then as Daniel goes out, uh, Miz lays down my best, my favorite line. (laughs) He has the personality of the Mojave Devert. The Mojave Devert. Okay. And this is the guy who's supposed to have the charisma. I know, right? The one who's supposed to be a good talker. Oh, freaking so, yeah, when, yeah, Brian came down, he apologized for his pro is. And wish it <laughs> was William Regal, which made me pop. That would have been a oh, great yeah, he, tag team. He, no, he goes, he goes, I got two words. I'm sorry. I wish, is, I wish it was William Regal. <laughs> <laughs> and before, before Brian... Came or, or before Brian got more into his promo, Miz came down and before you know, when when Daniel walked off the screen, Miz told us that he's gonna come down and slap personality out of Daniel Bryan's mouth. Yes. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Miz when he when he comes out, he wants Brian to do a catchphrase. And uh, what's Brian's catchphrase that he tries? Tap or snap. <sighs> And I was like, eh, it's not awful, but what it's all right. What do you said that it reminded me a lot of Chris Benoit? Oh, sure. didn't he ever try? I feel like he may have tried that. Yeah, did he yeah. ever try that as one? I, I don't, if he did, I don't remember, but it just gave me a lot of, a lot of uh, flashbacks to Chris Benoit. Yeah, but. yeah. So, so Miz slapped. Oh yeah, I just I thought this was just so awkward when when Miz was telling Brian that he had no personality because I I really this is the time where I really felt like it was this is McMahon you know put down the internet darling you know put him in his place yada 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 and you know if you want to do that whatever I don't agree with it but Miz isn't the guy because I don't think Miz is there yet uh, yeah. on his own you know so. And I, I guess know. this is right, you know, after after Miz slapped and walked off, that's when I turned off this promo because I hated this with a passion. All right, well, I'll take over. So so Miz slapped Brian, and uh, <laughs> Brian comes with this awesome comeback. He goes, there will be a time I slap you back. I slap a lot harder than you do. <laughs> <laughs> then he went to the back, and... Uh, Striker, Striker meets up with him, and again, I feel like Vince McMahon's in his ear now because he scolds Daniel Bryan and he goes, you haven't been here a minute. You need to respect and listen to the Miz. And I just wrote, yuck. (laughs) I guess one thing I got out of this promo was how much Daniel Bryan seemed uncomfortable trying to cut a WWE promo. Yeah, and I mean, like, he's not the best. Well, sorry, let me rewind. Clearly, he's shown that he has his own type of charisma and yeah. his own type of promo ability. It's different than this. And you're totally right. It comes across that he doesn't, this isn't his style. He is the proverbial square peg. He won't fit into the hole that they want out of promos. And that should be okay. You know, 
Yeah, so the match that we get is Claudio Castanoli, which is known in the WWE as Cesaro, take on Brian Danielson from ROH from July 25th, 2008 in Toronto, Canada. Yep, this is one of their first tours of of Canada, was, was this one, yep. And one thing I appreciated about this match was how both guys seemed to try to out-chain wrestle and out-technically... Technical wrestle each other and all that. Right on. And because I get, I haven't watched much of ROH, and I think this is probably my only match I've seen of both guys in ROH. Okay. I know you know more about ROH than I I have, especially back then. Sure. Are those are both their characters known back in ROH as being like chain wrestlers? Oh yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Daniel Danielson and and Cassioli both used. Um, European style wrestling a lot. Okay, because that's what it seemed For like sure. in, you know, throughout this match. Because this clip was like I think like twenty two minutes, and and I, and I liked it because it's you know a lot. I guess this is one thing I appreciate about this series with you know the matches we've reviewed so far is how different each each match is. Right. And uh, one spot I really liked was really liked to, thought it was awesome that I'd never seen before was both guys. Uh, held on the knuckle lock and was giving each other monkey flips and trying to pin mm-hmm. each other with the knuckle lock and like, yeah, what, like what is this? I'd never seen this before. I like yeah, that, this. That's one of the things that this era that you're watching here of ROH was was so good is because you had these just amazing wrestlers here and they could yeah they could base a match around uh, finger work. You know <laughs> we we watched Dusty and Arn base around leg work which is which is good and it's one thing but it's a completely other thing to to base a match on working the fingers yeah and uh it really shows these guys are awesome and something that you know i had to mention just because it's my you know my kind of thing my gimmick that uh brian had uh, claudio in a short arm scissors and i swore i heard a few fans chanting tap 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 <laughs> i just got a good <laughs> Good chuckle out of here, and you know a few of the fans, you know, behind Brian wanted seeing Claudio tap out to a short arm scissors. Well, that's another thing that in this time, really, RH has tried to do this many different times. Is that anything can get a pin or a submission? Uh, it would not be unheard of that he would get a tap out of that type of move. And was Claudio known for using the Mexican surfboard in ROH? Um. That was what yeah, that was one of his moves, but it, it isn't like one of his big thing. The big thing is the cuts, uh, which he still does a lot of. But yeah, okay, then I, oh, yeah, because he was trying to get Brian into the Mexican surfboard, and I guess I one of the last times I remember, really remember seeing people do that was like back in the nineties and like in WCW, and I never I felt like once WCW closed doors in two thousand one, I felt like I was in American wrestling that. The Mexican surfboard passed away, but then again, I haven't really watched any or much of of anything other than WWE and from American wrestling after 2001. Sure. Then, uh, I guess one thing that I always get a laugh out of was uh, Cesaro, uh, Claudio, I'm sorry, uh, that's fine. Doing the big swing and oh even, yeah, that's even, yeah, that's also and big even thing in R- is. even in ROH back in 2008, the fans count this, the rotations too oh, yeah. early. It's like they always count a one full oh. swing, swing as a half a rotation, and 
I think I counted right around 17 swings, and I think the fans counted like in the early 20s or something like that. Okay. But uh, I guess I can get to the finish. Okay. The finish came when both guys were exchanging uppercuts. Then Brian ran into the ropes, bounced back, and Claudio threw Brian up to you know do, do the jumping or throw up and falling uppercut or whatever. Oh Brian, yeah. Brian caught pop pop up pop up uppercut. Pop up uppercut. Thank you for I don't, didn't know the uh, move name. Yeah. Uh, Brian caught the arm when he's coming back down, and you know counted it into like a backslide for the pinfall victory. Right on. Something that's to, you know totally out of the blue. And all that, I rated this match three and a half stars. Yeah, you know what? I can't rate this match at all, and I'll tell you why. I talked to Mr. Dirty Dog before this, uh, before we got on the horn here. Uh, I'm calling out ROH here. Okay, the author of this video is Ring of Honor Wrestling. They uploaded it themselves. Okay, it was a Throwback Thursday clip. They put it up for people to watch. These two stars in their time in Ring of Honor. I watched uh, the first maybe five minutes of it earlier in the week. I, I was going to finish it this morning. We're recording on a Sunday. And, and I was going to watch the rest. I loaded it up. This video has been blocked. I'm like, oh, man, maybe WWE, whatever. God darn it. This video has been blocked because it contains content from Ring of Honor Wrestling. You put it up yourself. Why would I? Does that matter? I'm. I was so upset because why would? Oh God, that doesn't make sense. It makes so little sense. Why is it blocked? Because it has the ROH content. ROH, you guys suck. They don't make sense. I want to watch match. I want to give you a visit. ROH, you guys don't make any sense. Zero, absolutely zero, man. Uh, uh, I, I guess disappointing. I really, I really like this match. It was a hard fought match, and I really like the European style wrestling that those two had. And I feel like if Vince would watch matches like this with these two guys from ROH, maybe Vince could have an idea on how you know where to let these guys go to in the WWE. Sure. I yeah. Guess I, I I just I really like this match because I know we've seen. Daniel Bryan doing some of these kind of matches in WWE, but not so much, mm-hmm. um, not so much the sorrow. So, I guess I really yeah. like this match. You know, Cena twenty about twenty five minutes, you know, a little shy of these two guys doing what they do best, what brought them to the dance, and I really enjoyed that. So, I thank you, Mister Beverly Hills, for picking Daniel Bryan for me to watch this ROH match. Okay, now I'm really surprised and a bit actually, you know, disheartened to be honest that you didn't you didn't comment on attire. Cesaro was wearing long tights, which I was surprised okay. at, and he was Thank wearing you. like red red based tights with like like white crosses on it. Swiss crosses on them. Thank you. Okay. Because I'm like, well, sure, he's going to talk about the fact that he's wearing red velvety tr- uh, tights with white crosses on them. But then he doesn't even come through for me. I was pretty disappointed. Well, there you go. Yeah. So Saro was wearing <laughs> red tights. And all, all that. I also did note that it was weird to see Cesaro with a full head of hair. Or I guess well, hair. Well, this is after he shaved. He... <laughs> You should look. You you should look at his time when he would wear, um, how how to dress pants, a white 
button-up shirt with the sleeves cut off, a tie, and he had long hair. And this would have only been probably three years prior wow. to this. Because yeah. his old sweaters seem to have like a like a thin, uh, thin of a beard oh. and all that. Yes. Oh, yes. So I used to see him have like a beard, like what a you, real beard. Yeah, yeah like you, you or I would have, you know, like a right. big beard. So yep. Something I guess is is kind of weird. Is our next? Well, one? that's why it's cool. That's why it's cool. Kind of going looking at times outside of you know where we would know them. Yeah. Well, again, like this one. <laughs> yeah, like this match. And something, something I really enjoyed is, or I guess kind of enjoyed is our next letter, the letter E for like, kind of like Beverly. <laughs> the next letter, the next guy we get is E, Bobby Eaton. Yes. What yep. is the first thing you think about when you hear the name Beautiful Bobby Eaton? Midnight Express. Same here, yeah. Yes. Because wasn't. That is definitely what he's moved for. Isn't wasn't Eaton also part of the Dangerous Alliance? Too? He sure was. Okay, because I remember watching. I think Russell War ninety two on VHS and seeing him in that war game. So I guess that's another yes, thing I, sure. I know him know him from. Yep, he surely he surely was. Yep, he was in the. Well, he was kind of their secondary single star because um, Anderson and Zabisco were a team, and then Rude was kind of the uh, head single star, so Eaton kind of slotted into that secondary role in that group. So this promo that we get, uh, do you know what was, uh, I assume it was like somewhere in the Mid-South, because they talk about the mid, Mid-America mid Belt? Yeah, this is Memphis. Okay, this, Memphis. Is also, this is also in Memphis, because okay. Lance Russell's everything. So you want to talk about, talk about this promo? Yeah, for sure. So Jimmy Hart... Young, short-haired Jimmy Hart with beautiful Bobby Eaton come out. And with no microphone, baby, which made me sad, daddy. Yeah, no no microphone. And uh, Jimmy comes out and he's he's upset that uh, they're at the end of the show because uh, my time is valuable, baby, and everybody wants to hear from Jimmy and the first family. <laughs> So, uh, we get it. So that was that was basically it for what Jimmy talks about. But which so, I had to interrupt you, Mr. Beverly Hills. Right at the end okay. of the show, we finally talk about Jimmy Hart. I don't appreciate that, Mr. Beverly Hills. We should <laughs> yeah, talk exactly. about this right away. It's true. This Jimmy Hart would be upset that we're just now getting to him and Bobby Eaton. Now that that is. It is toward the end of a show. You are in fact correct. It is. <laughs> it's you know. It's funny. You know. Jimmy is playing such a heel because. He's in the main event and he has something to complain about. Like that made me smile. It's like he's being such this uh, antagonistic, complaining, whiny heel that even though to whine yes, about. he can find something wrong with anything. There in the main event, he can find something wrong. I I give much props to Jimmy Hart on that one. So then we get. I was hoping, you know, I read even some of the comments. They said, people say Bobby Eaton is boring, but, but this is a show, him showing his charisma. And then I watched it and I go, really? It is? <laughs> I told everybody I want to be the people's champion. I beat Steve Kern's head off. All the times given to Lawler, Kamala, this midget, this midget. 
and he talked about how he's going to beat him. He's the, he's the people's champion. He's the mid-American champion. Uh, I just kind of thought it sounded like he had a big pile of shit in his mouth. Yeah, I, I also <laughs> noted that he wants to defend his title, and the fans yep. want to see him, and why push him to the end, end of the show when he is you know confided by only a few minutes. And Right on. What I got out of this promo was how much Bobby benefited on having a manager to speak for him. Yes. Yep. And I feel like you might be able, you might agree with me on that. I feel like Bobby spoke too much for this two or so minute promo. Sure, sure. Sure. It's just, it's such a shame because, you know, Bobby's such a good wrestler. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the things that hold him back is, is he doesn't have the best look and uh, he just can't talk very well. And it's really unfortunate. He's such a good wrestler, and I love watching Bobby Eaton matches. And it's cool to see him in this next match, match against such an unorthodox opponent. Um, and and he, and that's that match is good too. And it's just it's it's just such a shame to me that uh, that half of wrestling never really was Bobby Eaton's forte. Yeah, that I felt like he was he was good at hitting the first few points, but I feel like yes. after that, that's when. It started to fall off the fall off the microphone for him. Fall off the oh, fall off the wagon that Brian Christopher Brian Christopher left. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, I thought the when he's telling that he was going to be the people's champion, that part was okay, and then it just yeah. like you said went off the rails. I did enjoy hearing him say that he wants to be a fighting champion and isn't getting the TV time to do so. I sure. a good Which deal. That's cool. Yeah, but he wasn't getting the TV time, so I guess we might as well give. Bobby Eaton, the podcast time to talk about it, which is his next match. Our, yes. next, our next match is beautiful Bobby Eaton taking on, on Abdullah, Bula, Abby, whatever, Abby the Butcher from WCW Saturday night from September 28th, 1991. And before yes. we go anywhere, I noticed that it was Jim Ross as a play-by-play man. Who was the sure. color guy? Paul E. Dangerously, okay, my man. I thought so, but you know, obviously over time, people's voices change a lot. And <laughs> at, at first, I was like, I thought it may have been Paul. I thought it may have been Michael Hayes. I'm like, okay, Michael was, Hayes. Well, then again, Michael Hayes' voice would have been a lot more. should have been a lot more easy to figure out who it is. So, my bad. I have to read my Dean bill for myself on that point. I would agree with that one. I would agree with that one. I don't want that. Yeah, yeah. I'm Bobby sure. Eaton out to no joke the greatest song in wrestling history. Which makes me laugh because. I listen to Coast to Coast AM once in a while. Uh, Art Bell is back on the internet and does his own show, Midnight in the Desert. And both of those sh- late night paranormal shows start out with Ice uh, A version of the Midnight Express theme song. And I love it that it, I feel like it's my two worlds coming together and all that. And I, I love it. <laughs> so when I, when I heard Bobby Eaton coming out, I'm thinking, oh, Art Bell's about to come on the air and start talking to me about the next, next latest UFO sighting or whatever else. <laughs> what makes me even happier is that neither of those things have to do remotely with the movie that that is the theme song. <laughs> Which is awesome. The, the movie The Midnight Express is about drug smuggling. 
and then <laughs> and then this guy uh, getting in jail in an Eastern European country and him trying to get out and all that. So pro wrestling, paranormal investigations, drug smuggling, nothing. But I love that they both could they both use it because it's such a freaking fantastic song. I love that song so much. And something I enjoyed much was the butcher attacking Bobby right away, you know, in, in the aisle and all that, and just starting yes. the match. Yeah, he starts hitting him with this stick. And uh, I got a good story that goes along with that. Do a little butcher and this stick, okay? So uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, I played basketball. Not very well, but I played basketball. And uh, we. We frequently had late practice, so I don't have a car at this point. I stay in town, uh, go to my buddy's house and hang out. A lot of times we would go down to the local gas station, uh, you know, get some snacks or whatever before we go to his house. Uh, this place also, it, it had, it was selling out of a video selection, okay? And uh, one of those things... Uh, that the, one of those videotapes is Battle Bowl 1991, the Lethal Lottery. I buy it for two bucks. Uh, That's a pretty so, good steal. Yeah, right on, man. So I bought it and we watched it. We watched Battle Bowl 1991 in its entirety 30 times probably. <laughs> and one of the things that happens is uh, Abby, I don't, and Buddy Lee Parker, he attacks with this stick. <laughs> and the stick that he's using at Battle Bowl 1991 legitimately looks like a roll of, of wrapping paper with a Barbie head stuck in the end. And it could have been. It could have been. And uh, it it looked so much like that that we made our own replica Abdul the Butcher <laughs> stick. So... <laughs> He used the stick to attack Bobby, and uh, yeah, Abdul goes crazy. He's throwing Bobby around. He's hitting him with a chair, which uh, which I th- looked like it was like a plastic chair. Which Jim Ross put that over and made me laugh. And something I really sure. liked was at least the start of this. I guess throughout this whole match, Bobby and Abby were playing to Abby's strengths. Yes, uh huh. I mean, it shows the versatility I think of Bobby Eaton that. Uh, yeah, I'll do I'll do Abdullah's match. Uh, I'm not gonna make Abdullah wrestle my match. That would be terrible. Uh, yeah, what did you think when when you know when you clicked on Bobby Eaton versus Abdullah the Butcher? What was your kind of expectations of this match, or what were you thinking? I didn't have go- any any expectations. Um, I guess I did just. Do, I guess coming off watching the. Bulldog Taker match. Oh sure. I was expecting this match should be a lot like that match should be a clunker to be slow. I know Abby is, you know, very limited on his move set, on his speed set, and all that. So I guess always I was expecting it to be kind of a slow clunker match, kind of like the Bulldog Taker match was. But I feel like we got something completely completely different, and I enjoyed that. Right. Right. Yeah. I I would agree. I think this out. Lived my expectations twentyfold. Uh, it, I coming in, I go, oh my god, Bobby's great. Abdullah's okay when he's facing the right opponent. Uh, I didn't expect that Bobby Eaton would be that right opponent. I was like, ugh, this is gonna be rough. At least it's short. Click, you know. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I'll live my expectations. Right here is where Paul Heyman says that he has admired Bobby for years. 
foreshadowing, maybe? <laughs> maybe. And literally 30 seconds later, JR goes, I've admired beautiful Bobby for years. <laughs> like, he wasn't even listening. They said the exact same line, and I'm like, did JR just read Paul's line without knowing it? I, I hope. Uh, probably not, but I, I wish that there was like a script and they both read it. But with so- these two, I can't imagine there was a script. I guess it was something like something that you and I would do on a podcast. You would say something and me not paying attention, kind of going through my notes, <laughs> seeing what's next, and me personally repeating the same thing you just yes. said like seconds before. Or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, I would, it's not just you. I, I can do it too. I'm sure that's what happened. Or it's one of those things where, and I've done this to my wife. I've done this to so many other people where you hear it and you it, you don't even register it that they said it. You just thought you think you thought of it yourself, and then you say it, and then the other person goes, "I just said that." <laughs> my wife always says that to me. <laughs> I guess something I want. To- Something I want to get, ask you about that. Bob, yeah, Bobby grabbed that, that plastic chair and waffled Abby right in the face with it a few times. Sure, and sure. I I felt uncomfortable watching it because it was it looked like an unprotected chair shot to the face. I guess what's well, your it's plastic chair. Still it's a shot to the face. Eh, eh, I don't know. I've been I I've this me this makes me a caring person uh but i've been able to separate old stuff from that knowledge unless it looks really bad okay and i mean like the the attitude era the metal chair stuff right to the face that makes me kind of quiver this plastic stuff eh, yeah it it didn't get me i guess you know like you mentioned that's me looking back with my 2015 eyes with the knowledge I have now about concussions and all that fun stuff and projecting. Yeah, but even then, plastic chair, man. Well, I guess I might need to hit you with my plastic chair next time I see you with Daddy-O. And I'm sure, and I'm sure I would keep on keeping on just like Abby did. Just like I keep on keeping on ringing my Dean bell. Right on. And then so Abby ch- chopped Bobby in the throat and JR goes karate to the throat. And I'm like, okay, awesome. Not karate chop, not karate thrust, just karate oh, in general to the throat. Um, so Abby got Bobby down and he was going to hit his big fat elbow, his big, like, I'm just going to say his big man, man titty elbow. onto him. He's going to hit him with his underarm fat, but he missed it. And uh, Cactus, oh, sorry, Bobby was, before we get to that, pretend like I didn't say that. Say what? Bobby was going to go top, exactly, and hit the big Alabama Jam leg, which I was really hoping, because I love the Alabama Jam leg drop. But before he could, Cactus came out with one of the strangest... (laughs) Foreign objects ever? Go uh, ahead and like say what it was. Like, <laughs> like what? When he came down with that, it looked like a like I don't know, three, four, five foot piece of <laughs> long board. Like, what is that cactus, Jack? It's so random. Yes, it was like a five foot long piece of plywood, and he comes and he hits Bobby in the back with it. Then when he did that, that cactus. Then threw him off the turnbuckle under the guardrail. Then we get the disqualification. Yep, yep. 
Like, okay, then why didn't that, that DQ happen, like, when after the first shot of the board, but whatever. Right, and Abdullah, just wait for it till the end. I know what you're going to say, just wait for the end. So, Abdullah did then hit the big manty fat elbow, um, and these two crazy men, they're working on Bobby, but who makes the save for him? Rich Steiner. Yeah, but then they quickly take over on him too, and they beat, beat him up. This is a big, this is a big lead up for the old Chamber of Horrors match at Halloween Havoc, kind of this time of year, Halloween Havoc '91. Well, I noted that Abby grabbed a Kindle stick and attacked Steiner from behind, and that must have been the stick you were referring to earlier. <laughs> yes, uh huh, that was the stick. <laughs> and I thought Abdullah and Cactus both looked great. Yeah, I, I think they looked like legit crazy men. You know, guys that'll come at you from all directions, hit you with pieces of plywood. <laughs> I, I always enjoyed going back and watching 1992-1993 Cassius Jack from WCW. Right on. I would have totally agree with you. And yeah, he, he especially looked really good here. Yeah, he looked young. You know, his taking all those bumps hasn't caught, in, uh, caught up to him, you know, that he took on the concrete and all that. Sure. So it was fun to watch. Yeah, like like I said, early ninety two, ninety three, Cactus Jack. Yeah, right on. So the winner is beautiful Bobby Eaton by the via disqualification. So our guys are finally one for four. Yes, <laughs> I like that. Yes, out of the five matches, we got one win. <laughs> so I I rated this match two stars, Mister Beverly Hills. I I would go two and a half, and I would. You know, probably not, but I would dare say this is one of the best four-minute matches we'll see. Yeah, you know, just... we're talking about it as if it's a main event, you know, <laughs> length match. It's four minutes long. Spoiler yeah. alert. Like, uh, but it was awesome. Like we said, it played to Abby's strengths. They did a lot of brawling, but that's, yeah, playing to Abby's strengths. It was short enough that they didn't overstay their welcome or anything like that. And like you said, Bobby was one of, one of few guys that could probably pull a four-minute Abby match and pull out a great match out of Abby and all that, which I really, really enjoyed. I, w- I would make an addendum to that statement because there are guys that can have longer matches with Abby and have good matches, but not guys like Bobby Eaton. Yeah. You know, the guys that have long, good matches with uh, Abdullah are wrestlers like him. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Bruce Bowie, you know, other... The, Cactus Jack, the you know the the Japanese wrestlers, the the deathmatch wrestlers, you know things like that. This is one of the few mainstream American workers who could have a good match with Abdul the Butcher. Which is, I was very very surprised by this match. And because of you know this match and the you know the Brian Dennison Claudio Castanoli match, I'm excited to see what all other matches and promos, good or bad, that we'll see rest of the series, Mr. Beverly. Yeah, rock on. It's so far so good, right? I enjoy it so far, so we might as well take a quick break. We can stretch our legs, do what we need to. We'll be right back for our jobber in a main event status star here on Main Event Status Radio. Sweet, let's do it. First of all, we are proud to represent the NWA. We're proud, second of all, maybe even first of all, to represent... Your company, I'm talking Jim Crockett Promotions, by being the world tag team champions in various states, very easily, we are the best at what we do. You didn't hear any music, you didn't see any face paint, you don't see any glitter. What you see is plain boots and plain tots. 
And what you also saw was plain wrestling, which is on the marquee. These days, our business gets glamorized by different aspects and different people. There's some of them like to call it showbiz. A lot of people like to think they're stars. I'm telling you myself, Ric Flair, James J. Dillon, know that stars are in the sky and stars are in Hollywood. What we are as professional athletes. And every time we come to a building, you got to know, your brothers got to know, those people that have watched us for a lot of years got to know. That's the reason they keep coming back. And last but not least, we got to know that whether we're sick, whether we're hurting a little bit, whether we got problems at home, or we had problems making our plane, that we give you 110% because that's what you pay for. And regardless of what you think, Luger, these people that buy these tickets don't pay our salary. His brother and he does, and they pay us real well because we're worth every nickel. And when you look in these eyes and you look at that match that just takes place, you see a little Anderson fire coming back because that's my roots. I was learned it. I was taught the old way. It is take a body part and render it useless. And my friend, a three-legged table is worth nothing to anybody. So in the Crockett Cup, that 20-inch arm of yours, Luger, can be just as useless as the one we just showed you. We are the best. We are the horsemen. Dusty Mouths to feed. Fabulous song that one. The crowd roaring for the champion. Here he is, the American Dream. Dusty, what a fantastic match. What a great win. World television champion. Let me tell you something, Let me tell everybody, listening throughout this country, you took away my legs. You took away my broad. You took away the gold around my waist. Rick Flair, Tony Blanchard, Ole and Aaron Anderson, J.J. Dunn. But you can never take away this heart, this soul, this burning desire inside of me. Now then, I started working my way back. Now then, I'm working my way back. Tony Blanchard. Rick Flair, Ole Anderson, J.J. Dillon, no longer I'm Anderson. Now then, I'm coming for you. 
all of you. I've been accused, Bob Cottle, of not being a nice man. I've been accused of being bad. You don't have to accuse me no more. I'm going to stop being bad. I'm going to stop being bad. I'm coming for you. And baby, now, you know where you can kiss me at, darling. Anytime, anyplace. Woo! All right. We're back, folks. We're back for the thrilling conclusion brought to you by the letters A through E, as Mr. Dirty Dog said earlier tonight. Uh, let's get into it. Who is your main eventer of the evening? Before I get into that, Daddy, I am sad oh. that I had to wait only until now <laughs> for an hour and a half into the podcast just to give the main event set us listeners my main event set a star in my job, Jack. <laughs> you're you're amazing. That uh This is why you're my number one podcast partner. Thank you, Gorilla. My my main event set of stars since we're changing up has to be a, a tie. Arn Anderson and Dusty Rhodes because of oh, okay, a couple different things, you know, because I feel like those two guys with the promos that we watched sure. were awesome. They showed off what it means to cut a promo. They sold what it means to be a pro wrestler, to be a champion, what it means to them personally, and why it should mean a lot to other professional wrestlers. And I really liked the storytelling that they that they told during their match, showing what it means to or yeah, showing what it means to sell a body part throughout the match. Awesome. Well, you know, I was going to choose Arn, but since you chose him, uh, I choose Bobby Eaton. Uh, for all the, those in the last segment, for all the reasons, I thought uh, that was a fantastic match. Uh, not for his promo, just for his match. <laughs> um, and uh, But it was really good, and I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, one, of the, one of the better Abdullah matches I've ever seen, so he's my, he's my main eventer. My jobber... Can we pick somebody other than who we chose for the series? Oh, of course. Of course. It can be one of the other people in it. Yeah. I'm changing up my guy because I didn't know if we could or not. My job has to be The Miz. Yes. And and it is mine as well. Before we start. He's my job as well. Because he's The Miz and he sucks. Oh, my God. He was awful. Awful. And absolutely boring i hope we see no more Miz here on the podcast uh i can't guarantee nor deny that <laughs> anyway when we get back to the wwe network i hope we stay away from the Miz. <laughs> sure we can try he was terrible oh he was terrible he was so bad oh. <sighs> because of the Miz, i have to ring my dean bell Miz, you suck i got two words for you eat poop Oh, my. <laughs> Anyways, we might as well do our plugs for the podcast, Mr. Beverly Hills. Right on. L- listeners, you can, guys can listen to us at our website, maineventstatus.com. Again, that's maineventstatus.com. You guys can listen to us on our other page so- over at soundcloud.com. Search it out, maineventstatusradio, or go to soundcloud.com slash maineventstatusradio. Again, that's soundcloud.com slash maineventstatusradio. Mr. Beverly Hills. How do you listen to Mid Event Status Radio? Well, I listen through my podcast app on my iPad, which is powered by iTunes. Please subscribe through iTunes, rate it, comment on it, uh, get those listens up, get those subscriptions up so we can finally try to surpass that man. 
who has appreciated Bobby Eaton for such a long time. Paul Heyman? No. <laughs> that saucy attitude man himself, Jim Ross. Tell your friends to hit the subscribe button. Check us out. We want to hear, hear you guys's, your guys' feedback on iTunes yes. or our social media accounts because yes. we want to move up. We want to know what you guys like, what you guys don't like. And cause yeah, we want, please, we, feedback is good. We want you people to tell us what you want for we can give you guys what you need. Yeah, we're, we're a people's podcast. You tell us what you want. <laughs> Just, unlike Bobby Eaton, we will give you what you guys want. and There is no time limit on us we are the, We are the people's champion like Bobby Eaton, though. Yes, we are. <laughs> so you guys can, you know, we have mentioned social media. You guys can hit, hit us up on Facebook. You know, search us out on Facebook's uh, search engine whatnot or facebook.com slash Radio. Again, that's facebook.com slash Radio. And Mr. Beverly Hills, how can the people reach you on Twitter? You can reach me at Beverly Hills, M-E-S. And for me, it's at Dirty Dog, M-E-S. That's dog as in D-A. WG, Dirty Dog, M-E-S. Mr. Beverly Hills, do you have any other final thoughts from the letters A through E? Uh, No, but I'm excited to uh, keep pushing down this trail. It's a good start. I like the letters A through E, not so much the Miz, but whatever. (laughs) This is Manny Vanitatis Radio for Mr. Beverly Hills. I'm the Dirty Dog, Darcy. Adios, mid-adventures. I can't think of anything good. I'm sorry. Bye, everybody. Into the throat of beautiful Bobby. You want action? You want violence? Well, you got it right here. And the Butcher's going to finish him off. The Butcher's 460. He missed the elbow. Shame to cry, ooh, baby. Here I am, signed to deliver. I'm yours, ooh, yeah. I will say goodbye, and now I'm back, and I'm ashamed to cry, ooh, baby. Here I am, signed to deliver. I'm yours. They should get you get much more time than anyone else. That is our show. Good night, everybody. 